Good evening and welcome to uh, The Magic Sponge. And this is a podcast, really, um, that I've wanted to do for a little while. So I'm a mortgage broker based in the UK. And I've been working in the UK since I've seen, uh, well, but since, you know, early 2000s. So I've seen credit crunches. I've seen double dip recessions. I've now seen a pandemic. And I've also seen world wars nearly, so seen quite a lot. But I think what a lot of people ask me is, you know, how do I see um, what's going to happen next with the UK and especially the housing market? And what's happened to to COVID? Um, really, how is it going to impact maybe a first-time buyer? How is it going to impact other people that are looking to remortgage? And I thought what I could do is I could give you a real insider's sort of quick whistle-top whistle stop tour probably the better way of putting it of really what it's you know what impact it's had where it's going forward and 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 and, and really um it might give you a bit of advice maybe you're a first-time buyer maybe you're remortgaging maybe you're an investor maybe you're thinking about buying you know it could be multiple bits of information and there's a couple of key points in here and i'm going to talk to you a little bit about you know trying to there's no way of reading the market you know, um, and and just give you a bit of information. It might help you in 2022. So just give you a footy. The, 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 at the moment now, we're coming towards the end of March of 2022, and it's kind of the two-year anniversary of COVID. So probably, which has, you know, had some massive impacts on the UK housing market and massive impacts on a lot of people. So I thought, what a great time. To, to do this little podcast. So first off, um, the housing market here in the UK, I, 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 you know, I've seen people buying in, you know, when it's a desperate market, when it's a, when it, you know, it's a seller's market, I've seen people buying in when it's a buyer's market. And the funny thing is people always say the same thing. They always try to catch it on the bounce when they think the market's at its lowest and they think that's the best time to buy. Um, and the truth of the matter is it's really hard to catch that bounce because, you know, it kind of happens before we even see it. So the housing market, and like a lot of investments, is very reactive. Unless you're extremely lucky, it's very difficult to get it at the right time. Um, so that's the first tip. Um, and the other thing I'll probably say about tips, especially buying in the UK, um, if you're considering buying, always think to yourself, um, the UK is an island. We cannot build any more land. So... You know, if you own a bit of land and you keep hold of it, history tells us if you look at what's happened in the past, it will continue to increase in value because we can't build any more land. So owning some in a freehold way is uh, is a is a good way to go. So, you know, and that just go. You know, when I talk about freehold, there's two ways in which you can own property. There's more ways in the UK because Scotland have slightly different rules, but generally freehold. When you buy a property that's freehold, you own the property that's on the land and then you own the land right the way down to the core of the earth. It's yours. Um, but with something like leasehold or common hold or similar, basically you don't technically own the freehold. You're leasing that freehold and normally for the length of the lease. And they're normally quite long, you know, 100 plus years normally. And um, when that lease ticks down every year, once you've owned it for 24 months, you can apply to extend that lease back up again. But again, you're only ever extending, you're only ever leasing that freehold. And you can turn it back up to 99 years. But it's still, you know, you're renting the freehold. So, you know, freehold is always better because it's yours. You'll own it till the end of time. 
yeah, you know, that's the idea anyway. No one knows when that's going to necessarily be. So COVID, how has it impacted the housing market? Where do we see it going? When's a good time to buy? Um, what's happened with the housing market? So the housing market, um, a lot, what a lot of people have also forgotten about since COVID and, and all the bits that have happened with Ukraine is, um, is, is Brexit. So there was a period of time when obviously the 2016, we obviously everyone voted and we decided to come out of Brexit and it was held off for sort of 12 months or 24 months while they started negotiations and people are quite quick to forget that the negotiations of, of 2019 were absolute shambles. So there was attempts to kind of votes within the Houses of Parliament and dates were missed and a lot of people there was a lot of talk out at the time that no one really knew what the new look uk was going to look like outside of europe there's a lot of scaremongering house prices were going to be impacted businesses were going to be impacted medicines food all sorts and and people kind of put transactions on hold when i say transactions i mean buying property so I'd, i had people that were buying a property and said i just want to see what's going to happen you know um when, it, when we're supposed to come out in March, I'm just going to hold out my completion until just after March. But if it wasn't that client, there'll be somebody else in a chain that wanted to make sure that their house price wasn't going to be zero afterwards. You know, listen to the scaremongers, the people that put the clickbait out, the adverts and all that kind of stuff anyway. So house prices from 2016 to really sort of late 19, early 2020 didn't really move because of Brexit just took so long. People forget how long it actually took um, to actually start moving. And at the end of 2020, whenever there's a general election in the UK, the housing market, very similar to Brexit, always goes quiet because people want to see exactly what's going to happen next and who's coming into power. And because people want to know how it's going to impact the property they're going to buy. And, you know, it always goes a little bit quiet. And it did. And I remember the December, the 19 of uh, December 19, because it was very positive. We were coming out of Brexit, finally had an end to the this Brexit and 19 had been an absolute nightmare 2019 with the Brexit stuff. And we had had the general election. Look, it's all going, Boris was in power. It looked like it's all going to finally go through and we could start moving on. And then obviously I remember the January was really busy as was the February and then COVID um, was starting to stick its head around at that point. And then as we all know, the lockdown happened in, in the March and um, kind of early April-ish, Grove, Michael Grove came out and said the housing market was being closed. If you're in a transaction, do not move, was his words. We're going to close the housing market for the next three months while everything is locked down. They didn't want people moving house, you know, people sort of mixing, did that at the time. They didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. And as a mortgage advisor, we had a lot of transactions of people buying houses and they all basically said, Adam, we're going to put it on hold. We're not going to move. And, um, and that's basically exactly what they've done. Um, so fast forward about three months, um, that government decided what they wanted to do was kind of stimulate the housing market. Again, they didn't really know what the new look world was going to look like with COVID. So they brought in this stamp duty holiday. And the idea was, was that it was going to pretty much give everyone until March the following year, uh, 500,000, buying up to 500,000 pounds would be no stamp duty to pay. Which was, you know, a real stimulator because... You know, bearing in mind, before that, if you bought a house or sold a house and, and you bought a property up to 125000 anything over that, you paid stamp duty. So for a lot of people, they were saving, you know, substantial thousands of pounds. And basically what it done was the people that didn't move, um, you know, that put the move off, obviously carried on with their transactions or bought another property or 
the people that have been locked up with their partners for three months or six months said, you know what, I've been in this house now for the last six months, I haven't had to go anywhere, I want a bigger garden, let's move. And it put the kind of people that might have considered moving, thinking now's the time to do it because this stamp duty holiday isn't going to be here in the future. So the housing market went mad. Um, loads of properties came onto the market. So there was lots of options. There was a lot of people looking to move because of the stamp duty holiday. And there was a lot of interest. Anything under 500,000 was pretty much flying off the um, off the shelves. And uh, the market was buzzing. And then come cl- getting closer into the new year of 2021, um, there was obviously talks of more lockdowns. But also for the housing market, it was getting closer to March. And there was concerns that people that were buying property, um, you know, would not be able to, would potentially miss out on the stamp duty holiday. There was concerns about complaints, mistakes that were going to be made. And they decided they were going to extend it until the June and then offer a taper off where it then dropped to 250,000 until September. And it worked out pretty well. People that, that you know, the pe- more people got to move and transactions didn't get cancelled at the end of March, like people were worried about. And the housing market was doing really, really well. And, um, you know, interest rates were really low towards the end of um, the stamp duty holiday ended in September as everything as planned. And um, that was really when you started to notice what what the UK have got now, sort of especially 2022, is the shortage of properties that are available on the market. At the moment, there is a real shortage of them. So obviously there's more buyers than there is available properties. So we started to notice that towards the end of 2019. And that kind of, um, sorry, 2021, and that kind of has now fed into sort of 2022. So obviously now we're in a position where there's more um, buyers than there is um, properties. And so obviously you've got the demand is extremely high and um, obviously that's pushing up prices. So what we're seeing is people are paying a lot of money for properties and we're seeing what's known as in the industry here in the UK as a down valuation. So we've seen a lot of people you know, agreeing to buy a property for a certain price, a surveyor's going out, looking at what's sold in the local area, and it's basically saying it's not worth that amount of money and downvaluing the property. And then obviously that impacts the whole chain because then people have to renegotiate or take a lower offer, you know, or you have to try and find comparables, which is a difficult thing to do. So interest rate-wise, towards the end of 2021, you know, you could get a five-year fixed rate for as low as a percent. And, um, you know, 1% at one point, it was about £1,500 fee, but you get a five-year fixed rate at about 0.94%. Um, and then they started talking about inflation. And inflation is kryptonite to the low interest rate world of mortgages. And if you cast your mind back, those that know those, that if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. But back, uh, the, 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 one of the biggest crashes we had here in the UK was 1990. So back then, interest rates um, crept up uh, quite high because inflation was high and there was different fiscal policies used. Um, But generally speaking, inflation went into double figures and as did um, interest rates with banks. And obviously that just pushed up the prices. So it pushed up the mortgage payments. And then obviously less people wanted to move. So obviously then um, the buyers fell out of the market and so did the purchase, but the the, the value of the properties, people were handing their keys in left, right and centre. And what not not many people realise is in about nine in about 1986 1987, there was a scheme launched by the government where you could buy a property with a friend or a relative or a neighbour or someone else like that, and there would be a tax deduction that you could have. So it basically meant if you bought a property, 
you'd get a slight tax deduction and um you know it, it boomed the problem is is obviously that only goes for so long and i'll come on to this in a minute this artificial kind of stimulation of the housing market normally causes problems um long term but anyway cut a long story short it caused high demand a lot of people bought and then basically what happened was because people bought a lot of properties with their friend their neighbor maybe they were renting them maybe they weren't necessarily both living in them people would fall out people then decided they didn't want to pay and then people started handing their keys in and the minute people start to worry about house prices, people start to think they're going the other way. Someone's, someone, they're, they're paying more than they should be. You then start to see people sort of backing off a little bit and people start to slow down. And that's exactly what happened. People were handing their keys in. I know someone that worked at um, uh, the Lloyds Banking Group and they used to go in in their area where they worked every morning and there'd be, you know, envelopes with keys in there where the people are just literally handing the keys into the bank saying, just take the property. You know, we're not dealing with it anymore. Then they'd be repossessed them. And they said it took a little while to get through these properties. Yeah, only a little while. And then obviously once all the repossessions started to slow down a bit, the housing market started to pick up again. But then you have the downside of not only have the buyers fallen out of the market, so people that are trying to sell, there isn't buyers there. So they're not getting as much as they did maybe six, 12 months prior for those same similar properties. But you get an influx of repossession properties coming back onto the market in that same area. And with a repossession property, those that know, if you don't, if you know, if you don't know, you don't know. What normally happens with one of these properties is if, if, if you have a house repossessed, let's say you, the person listening, has a house repossessed, your bank will um, advertise that property with three estate agents. And the estate agents will put it on the open market. And the idea is, is that they will show, you know, for, for as many people as they can, that property. It will normally come on the market for about 10% below market value to get interest. And then it turns into a bidding war. And that property, if, 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 if someone comes to buy that property and offers an acceptable offer to the bank and the bank accept it, it doesn't come off the market. It stays on the market for somebody else to come in and offer more. And it can literally stay on the market up until the exchange of contracts. And what they try to do with the repossession properties, get it through within 28 days. The reason why they do that is they want to try and recoup as much money as they possibly can. Because at the end of the day, they don't want to be at a loss. They want to make sure that for the buyer, the person they've taken the property off of, any anything that's made back over the mortgage and sale costs goes back to the previous owner. You know, they want to make sure they can do it. But what not many people know is if you have a house repossessed and they sell it at a loss. Now, they, now listen, look. You might have had 95 grand outstanding on a mortgage and they might sell it for £95,000, but they still have to pay solicitors, estate agents, other costs to get that through. And let's say that's £3,000. They can come after you for that £3,000 up to seven years after the transaction. You may not hear anything for six and a half years and all of a sudden Lloyds will knock at your door and say, you owe us three grand for that house we had to repossess. You've got no choice but to pay it. So be prepared for that. Not many people know it. But anyway, so in regards to the market, interest rates going up, very similar to what happened in uh, early 1990. House prices went a bit bonkers. It, it does slow down, and that was all because of inflation and everything else like that. Now, the last kind of hiccup we kind of had was 2008, 2009, and that was where America was selling um, kind, of, uh, kind of packaging up dodgy mortgages and i say dodgy mortgages they were basically lending money to people that that didn't have the best credit rating and these people wouldn't pay so then they would default and then the you know these were classes like securities uh, and when you sell securities especially like like these are so these aren't necessarily mortgages from necessary banks but they would be money that would be put together with a lending house and the way it works is, let's say you listen to this podcast, I've got some money to invest. Someone would turn around and say, look, 
There's a book here of mortgages that you can buy into. It will cost you so much money. But this mortgage is, this mortgage book is worth so many thousands or millions of pounds. The, the money's been lent at this much interest rate and the return over the next two years is going to be this much interest. So you're kind of like, yeah, we'll take it. And any of these, you're always going to have in these kind of a mixture of vanilla, which is, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Normal going to pay every single month. You can have a bit of adverse in there as well. And there's some, some people that may not necessarily be the best people to lend to. And obviously the people where you're getting a higher return is obviously the higher risk and they're the people that don't really pay a lot of those debts back. So there was a lot of these deals packaged up under false pretenses that people had bought into and they had created more than they should have done. And it, it, it eventually led to, you know, a collapse in the UK, in the US housing market, and it impacted the rest of the world. Banks, um, you know, banks were lending money that they shouldn't have been. And then basically, to cut long story short, in 2010, 2011, they brought in new rules that basically meant that when a bank lends, if a bank takes in a certain amount of money, um, it, or it wants to lend out a certain amount of money, so it has to keep a certain amount in reserve. And that basically means that stops them from ever being in a position like some of the banks were back in 2008 when it came down to calling in some of these debts and the people couldn't pay them. And then obviously the banks were left almost high and dry and had to be bailed out by the government. So I don't think we'll necessarily hit something as bad as we did in 2008, 2009, that credit crunch. I don't, you know, that's, that's always positive. But I think the biggest problem that the UK housing market is heading towards at the moment is this inflation and it's high inflation. And it's a bit of a worry because in the last 10 years in the UK, since about 2000, well, more than 10 years now, I'd probably say closer to 12, 13 years, we've had low interest rates. Uh, base rates being 0.5% or 0.75% and below. We haven't really been up to, really been above that. Prior to that, the interest rate probably sat at probably close to 4 or 5%. Now, the problem we've got is a lot of people over the last sort of 12 years have been borrowing money at pretty low rates. And I think a lot of people, you always live towards your means. And if interest rates were to slightly increase, it would put some financial stress on those individuals. So the worry is what is eventually going to happen with interest rates here in the UK? And, you know, people have always said that the minute interest rates start to go up, you could see a bubble burst here in the UK. And I think with this could be, with the inflation, this could be the one that, that you know, the, the needle that bursts that balloon or that bubble. Because with high inflation... Really, the only ways that you can really bring inflation down is by increasing interest rates. Or if you're not increasing interest rates, you're going to be increasing taxes. And those kind of things combined with rising costs, which we have at the moment, which is spiralling because of COVID um, and supply chain issues, but also because of the war in, in Ukraine. You know, they produce 40% of the aluminium and metals needed for building cars and other things. And that's obviously put on hold. So this is going to have huge impacts on the UK market. And I genuinely believe that although at the moment there's every single chance and what they're predicting is, is that inflation will start to fall um, and it will start to come down. But what I think you're probably going to find is, you know, it's going to come down. And I think the UK could be heading towards a recession is the truth, because We've also got spiring electricity co uh, energy costs. So if you've got a household and you're, you're, you pay £100 a month at the moment, there's a very good chance by the end of the year you're going to be paying double, if not a little bit more, £200 a month. That's a big jump for any most families. But not only that now, if you're remortgaging this year, 
chances are your interest rate is going to be higher than what you had before. So let's say you're paying another £100 a month. That's £200 a month you've got to pay out. Now, if you've got to fill your car to go to work every every um, every day and you normally spend £200 a month on fuel, you're probably going to be spending 250 now, £50 more, maybe even a little £75 a month more on fuel. Now, all these costs start to add up. And it's no lie that a loaf of bread based on inflation figures cost you 5% more than it did this time last year. And they predict that that's going to go up to nearly 8%, which is almost 10% increase. And you've got to think those that have had a pay rise have probably had a pay rise of a percent or maybe two. So financial stress is going to be really high. And the papers, the you know, well, the media are going to be hot on it. And I think everybody's going to be aware of this. And this is going to be the big thing. The UK housing market, the UK is all on confidence. And I think as soon as people start to feel that, hang on a second, this could all start going the other way, I think you could see, you know, people starting to back out of the housing market and thinking, let me just wait it out and see what happens till the end of the year. And when that starts to grow, that's when the buyers fall back and that's when prices start to come down. Do I think we need a correction here in the UK? Potentially, I think we do, because prices have gone a bit mad in the last 24 months, 10% increase across the UK. Higher in certain areas, lower in others. So maybe it is time for the, um, you know, for this this to kick in just to slow down the housing market. But for people that work in the housing market, estate agents, surveyors, conveyances, you know, mortgage brokers, it's going to be a worrying time. It's going to be a tough time for a lot of people. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the what the government do. And let's be honest, you know. You know, I said, I, you know, I talked about the story about the 1980s and when they brought in the the tax, um, the tax loophole. If you bought a property with a friend or relative, or whatever it might have been, you know, they'd done the stamp duty holiday. They artificially stimulated the housing market. They propped it up, maybe for too long, and it just pushed prices up. And now there's a real, real, <laughs> you know, lack of properties. And the bank, uh, you know, and, and and not many people know this, but. You know, to give you a rough idea, if you know, a couple of months ago, you know, in turn of the year, if you had a 10% deposit, you'd be looking at interest rates as low as 1.69. If you've now got a 25% deposit, you're looking at interest rates of about 1.75. Interest rates have gone up so much that and, and the difference in deposit has made such, you know, it doesn't have the big impact that it used to have. And I, I think, you know, the biggest thing at the moment is Banks here in the UK borrow money on what's under swap rates. With all the uncertainty out there at the moment, they are going crazy. They're changing all the time. And no lender wants to be, wants to take in all of this fresh business that's out there at the moment, all these people that want to buy houses. So for that reason, they're calling what they what they call, they're, 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 they're going back towards service, which basically they're saying, look, you know, it's a busy market. There's lots of people buying. We don't want to take on too much business. We can't take calls, you know. We're missing things. We're making mistakes. Our customer service drops. So we're going to drop back. What it basically means is, look, we don't want to be number one. We want somebody else to share this business. But when someone like the Lloyds Banking Group, which is the biggest one in the UK, starts to pull back, you then start to notice all the other lenders start to do the same. So I think there's a, you know, it's obvious that interest rates are going to continue to get, it's going to get more expensive to borrow money. And We've just had two bank of England base rate rises. We've gone from 0.1% to 0.75 in the last eight weeks. That hasn't happened for in the last 12 years. We've had rises consecutive like that. Now, there's a very good chance they probably won't rise it again next month, but there's a very good chance that they will do in the May um, and then again probably later on in the year. 
there's a very good chance that the Bank of England base rate will be close to 1%, if not higher, by the end of the year. And obviously, that's going to have a knock-on effect onto what, what lenders offer as mortgage rates. So when I'm listening to this thinking, you know, I've got a mortgage coming up, I'm thinking about moving, I don't know what's going to happen with mortgage rates. I predict that you will be paying more for your mortgage interest rate-wise than what you did you know, what the, maybe what you're currently paying at the moment and what you've paid in the previous years. It's going to get more expensive. Do I think it's going to shoot up and we're going to wake up to insanely high interest rates? No, I don't think we do. I don't think we'll fall back to 19% lending rates. I don't think we will. That would collapse the housing market. And here in the UK, we don't manufacture anything. We don't really do much of that. But what we do have is one of the best financial services in the UK. And we are a, a, a nation of house buyers. You know, we're not really... Some of the other European countries where they where a lot of people rent it doesn't happen here in the UK. So the housing market is one of the things that we do have, and I think it's something they like to protect. So I think the government will do what they can to try and save it if there was a major issue again. But I think realistically, um, hopefully, you know, coming close towards the end of this podcast, gone a little bit longer than what I really wanted to see. It's gone just over 25 minutes. I wanted to people anyone that's that's looking at buying a property, um, to give you a bit of an insight of what's happening at the moment with the UK housing market. You know, like I said, it's 25th of, of March. There's a very good chance that within the next three, four weeks, you know, things could potentially change. And I might do another one every month and just give you guys a bit of an insight to, to what's happening with the housing market. Um, yeah, listen, look, the podcast channel is called Sponge. It's all about soaking it up, taking it in. And um, listen, I hope you enjoyed this episode and hopefully we'll see you again on another.